Hello, hello, and welcome back to episode 8 of the Chip Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Wiseman, and do we ever have an episode for you here today? We have re-signed, we have offer sheets, we have potential team relocations, we have uh, some league shenanigans, we have a new agent, but that is all to come. Uh, I hope you guys have been listening to the to the season previews soon. I think I'm going to get four out today, four season previews out today, I know. Fantastic. They're a lot more work than I thought there would be, but I'm really trying to get these out for you guys before the season starts. But with all that being said, why don't we get right into this thing and we get right into these resigns right here. So, to start off, so we have Valimaki, Dylan Dubé, and Nikita Zadorov resigning in Calgary. Now, Yusuf Valimaki, um, I say he's a pretty good defenseman, in my opinion, at least. He's 22 years old, averaged around 15, 15 and a half minutes of ice time this last season, and he just got re-signed for $3.75 million for one year. And that might be a bit of an overpriced for Yusuf Alamaki, uh, but honestly, he's probably going to be a pretty good pair defenseman for this team this year, and especially with the loss of Mark Giordano. It's going to be important for him to take that next step and maybe even be a top three defenseman on the team. Uh, last season, uh, 11 points in 49 games, which is not too bad, but he's more known for his two-way transitional game. And as you know, defensemen aren't known to get too many points. Um, but yeah, all that being said about Yusuf Alamaki, I do like this signing maybe a bit much, but it's only one year, so nothing too much to worry about. Next one up here, Dylan Dubé. Uh, it's a center, um, and he's making three... million for the next three years. Um, And, I mean, this is a a decent contract for Dubé. I mean, he's had 13 minutes of ice time this past season. Uh, 22 points in 51 games this year. He is, like, a really young guy. I mean, he's 21 years old. And he's thought to be maybe the next guy of, uh, of this team, of... Calgary, their next producer potentially, but right now he's a good fourth line producer, and I'd say he still needs a pretty big jump to become one a second or first line producer. But he's got the potential, and signing this contract, maybe you get him as a bargain deal if he really takes off this season. Uh, last contract here for Calgary for now, uh, Nikita Zadorov. $1.55 million for two years. Uh, this is a defenseman uh, from Chicago these past few years. Very good defense, defensively, but is a pretty one-dimensional player. I mean, he takes a lot of penalties, uh, which is not too good for the team, but does show that you have someone to stand up for your guys, which I always like. But he could be a good bottom-pair defenseman, but he might have to take a slightly bigger role with loss of Giordano. But his defensive prowess should help. It would be nice if he could develop a bit more of an offensive game, but I don't expect that to happen. 
26 years old and 8 points in 55 games this year. Uh, moving on from Calgary, we have Tra- Travis Sanheim resigning in Philadelphia. Uh, $4.675 million uh, for two years. And he's a solid top-pairing def- defenseman. With, he has that kind of talent. But honestly, looking over that Philadelphia defense, I don't. even though he has tons of talent and could be a top-pairing defenseman, I don't think he'll be a top-pairing defenseman this year. Likely playing sec, uh, top four, uh, second line on the defense, second defenseman line, whatever you call it. Second defensive pairing, there you go. With alongside either Ryan Ellis or Rasmus Ristolainen. And he does have a good all-around game, especially offensively. So that's why, since he's known more for his offensive prowess, I was thinking maybe put him more alongside Ryan Ellis so these two guys don't get stuck up in the play. And Because that's one thing I have noticed with the Philly defense, is that although it looks really good, they don't have those guys who are going to stay home as uh, stay home as all these guys rush up. They have all these guys who are going to play offensive, really pressure the puck. But if someone gets by them, it's going to be very tough on the goalie. Um, luckily, they do have a pretty decent goalie back there, Carter Hart. But uh, going back to Sanheim, I really like this deal for Philly. Uh, 15 points in 55 games this year. Could be a difference maker on that uh, Philadelphia defense. Um, and here is some big re-signing news. Ev- Evander Svechnikov, Evgeny, is it Ev- Evgeny, or how do I know it? Wait, I gotta look up Svechnikov's name here. Andre, Andre Svechnikov. Evgeny is his brother. That's what I was getting mistaken of. His brother is Evgeny. He is Andre Svechnikov. And Sean Couturier did sign identical deals. Uh... Svechnikov signs for and Couturier both signed for eight million eight years at the price of seven point seven five million dollars. Now let's talk about both these deals. Andre Andre Svechnikov, he's very good at creating scoring chances. He struggles on his defense and his finishing skills. And if he works on his finishing, he could be a top five goal scorer in the NHL, in my opinion. He just creates so many opportunities in Carolina. And although he doesn't maybe capitalize on all of them, if he could work on just capitalizing on his maybe offensive talent and his offensive uh, scoring uh, creativity, let's call it offensive creativity, then he could really be one of the top scorers in the NHL. I would not be surprised. Um, He had 42 points, 15 goals, and 55 games. So you see, he doesn't really put the puck in the net, which you thought maybe at draft, you thought he was going to be more of a goal scorer. But it's going to be interesting to see how his career progresses from here, especially as just at 21 years old, now on this huge eight-year contract. And then on the other hand, you have Sean Couturier, who is an elite center on both ends of the puck. I mean, very good, very good on both ends of the ice. And he's 20 years old, likely a future captain of the team, 41 points in 50, in 45 games on a struggling Philadelphia this 
uh, team this year. That's pretty good. Um, but I know a lot of you guys are going to be asking this, but which of these deals are better? Honestly, short term for me, I think it's Couturier. No, hands down. I mean, he's really good at both ends of the ice, and I think he's one of the underrated players of this league. He is in the prime of his career right now, and having this kind of contract is really good for a player of his caliber. I mean, if it was if he was maybe five years younger, you'd see him getting maybe potentially even ten million dollars. Just how good he is, um, but I gotta say, right now it might be the better uh, the better contract. But if Svech can develop his scoring his scoring touch, I was talking about earlier, uh, I think he could very my opinion could very much change on which of these deals are better um i mean he could be a top goal scorer and i mean uh you 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 have this other guy who's elite on both ends of the ice it's just potato potato but uh one thing for sure though is that he will probably be this deal the svetch deal will probably be better for the hurricanes at the tail end, because Svechnikov will be, I think, 29, and Katuria will be 36. So it'll be Svech will more be in his prime, and Katuria will be a bit past his prime. But all in all, I like both these deals for both these teams, and I think they're going to be very effective players this year. And that's I'll give you a hint here. That's not the last of our news with the Carolina Hurricanes. So... We'll get to that in a sec. Um, just had to take a quick break there. Had to deal with something real quick. But we are back. And we are back to talk about the Arizona Coyotes. Maybe not known as the Arizona Coyotes for long. So the big news here is that Glendale, where the Arizona Coyotes are stationed, has not renewed the contract with the Arizona Coyotes beyond this 2021-2022 season. According to uh, Katie Strang of The Athletic, uh, the decision comes after stalled negotiations, quote-unquote, between the city and the team over a lease extension and potential renovations to the arena. But, but quote-unquote, multiple notices of unpaid bills by the team to the city also contributed to the parting of ways. And that's interesting because I, I was reading uh, the Sportsnet article on this just a bit ago, and apparently it was over one, it was around $1.5 million that had gone unpaid to uh, Glendale City and Arena. So that does leave some big question marks in the air, not only for the city, but also the team and the NHL as a whole. I mean, where could the Arizona Coyotes go? Because they're not coming back to Glendale. Um, and there has been some popular requests. Everyone wants them to go to Quebec, Quebec City. And as much as I would love to see the Quebec Nordiques back, uh, I don't disagree that they will have very loyal fan base. Um likely filling the arena every night, even though they're probably going to suck this next season. But 
they also don't have the biggest market in Quebec. I mean, it's not a huge market. It's a very loyal market, but it's also taken away from the market of what could potentially be the Montreal Canadiens market. So you could see as the NHL why, although a lot of fans want Quebec, I mean, I personally would love to see the Quebec Nordiques come back. You could see why the NHL as a, as a whole would maybe not want the Quebec Nordiques back and might want somewhere else. Somewhere else like Houston. I mean, Houston is a very fast-growing city and an untouched potential hockey market. Uh, they do have a few teams there, notably the Houston Astros. Um, and I've been moving NHL team there, kind of in the same area, a bit further away. Uh, it would be the second team in Texas, taking advantage of the city and, I mean, also taking advantage of what could be a very untouched hockey market. I mean, Dallas a lot of people, fast-growing, I mean, not Dallas, sorry, Texas, fast-growing state. But, I mean, a hockey team in Houston, it wouldn't be the far, most far-fetched idea. And finally, this is the option I personally like most. I'll just say, it might not be the most fun, but I like this one just because of how it is. And that's if they just move back to... They move to within Arizona and keep the Arizona Coyotes, and they move to either Scottsdale or Phoenix. And I feel like if they move to these greater population centers, I mean, everyone's asking them, oh, go to Scottsdale, oh, go to Phoenix, because it's so far to get to Glendale from these major cities that the Yotes could be a more successful all-around, potentially even money-making team for the NHL. And, I mean... The reason that I was moved to Arizona in the first place was to take advantage of a very fast-growing Phoenix population. And then they decided to place the team about 45 minutes to an hour away from Phoenix. So why would you want to drive 45 minutes away to see a crappy team? So I could see if the Coyotes moved back to Phoenix, it could be huge growth in not only revenue and ticket sales but also viewership uh on tv and especially that they're bringing back their kachina logo i think on home ice this season on in sunrise i mean i love that logo and that jerseys one of my favorite logo of all time and jerseys but it's going to be tough to bring eyes to a team that's not very good unless you already unless it's not a huge inconvenience to the people being there, which, I mean, in Houston, problem with Houston, they don't have arena yet, problem with Quebec, too small, so why not just move it back to, I mean, where it was. Um, that's about all with the Arizona Coyotes, or so-called Arizona Coyotes for now, and we're going to move on to some more Mon Montreal Canadian Mark Bergevin shenaniganery, as I like to call it. And this is the fact that Jonathan Drouin and, most notably, Carey Price are ready for training camp. I mean, it does... Well, let's, let's first talk about what this means for the Habs in this upcoming season. So not only does it give them security in net, 
as they got Carey Price and Jake Allen back. But also secures that depth down the wing. And, I mean, I know Montreal loves Jonathan Drouin, and Jonathan Drouin loves being there, but it's going to... He just really hasn't developed into what he could have been. But he still has that playmaking potential. And you could see that's what the Habs might have needed, is that offensive creativity in in this last season. So, I mean, I wouldn't be completely opposed to a line of Drouin, Caulfield, uh, Suzuki. It would be a small line, but it would maybe not... It would... I mean, you'd have a very good playmaker on your left wing. You have Nick Suzuki, who has a very elite two-way game in in your center position. And then you have Cole Caulfield on the right wing, who has very good chemistry with Nick Suzuki and a very good scoring touch. But, I mean, all depends on whether you want to put a guy like Josh Anderson there, if you want to put uh, more of a scorer like Toffoli or... If, like I said, you want to put Drouin there and create more playmaking opportunities. So that's what Mark Bergevin and the coaching staff have to decide. But let's talk about why this exactly is shenaniganery or why I would call it shenaniganery. And this is to do with the expansion draft. And I title it in my notes here, How the Habs Cheesed the Expansion Draft. I mean, everyone was complaining about this all the time. Oh, why is Carey Price uh, exposed? Oh, they're gonna they, would they take him? Call their bluff? I mean, but what was a big story there is that apparently the Habs did not disclose Price's full medical situation when they had to, and that in turn uh, made. Carey Price not get drafted, and instead you had a guy named Kale Flurry drafted instead, which I mean is still not a bad draft pick, but it's no Carey Price. And the question that everyone's asking after now that uh, it's all done, said and done with, should there be repercussions for the Montreal Canadiens? I mean, this has not been the best. Easily, you could say this has not been the best offseason for Mark Bergevin. He has struggled both with his drafting, a lot of questions on his drafting, uh, struggling in some of his free agent signings. Maybe he didn't get the big fish that he wanted to. Uh, Lost Weber, I mean, now on IR for the foreseeable future, or inter reserve for the foreseeable future. And now he's about to lose his, or could potentially lose his 2018 third overall pick. And, I mean, should now, if there's even repercussions for this expansion draft, should there be, uh, how bad can Mark Bridgevan and situation be? And my opinion on these repercussions, not much to it at this point, but... I think potentially there actually should be. Even as a fan of the Montreal Canadiens, it's not, let's say, necessarily fair that they... I mean, there probably is a better word for it, but it's not necessarily fair that the Seattle Kraken did not get all the information when they actually had to. 
so the league should decide this and it should depend on the information disclosed and what kind of measures they want to take into the enforcement of their quote-unquote uh i guess league laws in the future but yeah it's going to be interesting to see how that situation plays out there might not even be a situation here but just something to talk about uh another thing to talk about before we get to what i think all of you came to this episode for has to do with uh one you spirit oh let's not spoil it but a one Montreal Canadian and a team called the Carolina Hurricanes. So we'll we'll get to that in a sec. But is this the third episode in a row that I am not the third in a row, but I swear this is the third episode out of I've done eight episodes so far, right? This is my eighth one, right? It's the third I've talked about this damn Jack Eichel situation. I mean the hockey world is sitting around saying, when will Jack Eichel be traded? When will Vladimir Tarasenko be traded? Uh, We did get some exciting stuff with an offer sheet, but uh, now there's just more onto this Jack Eichel situation, because he somehow has not been traded yet or had the surgery. I don't understand. Um, Really don't like the Sabres right now for not respecting their their team player, but that is not mine my decision to make, but the big news here is that Jack Eichel has a new agent, and that, uh, I mean, Eichel's previous agents were Peter Fish and Peter Dantelli, uh, they were the one who released that big statement on it has not worked, and they've been let go, and now Eichel is being represented by Pat Brisson, 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 and I mean, I was listening to Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick's 31 Thoughts podcast, and he described it as potentially not going going in with more of the velvet glove rather than the hammer, which he thinks Peter Fish and Peter Donatelli were, and maybe Pat Brisson will have a different approach to this whole Jack Eichel situation with Buffalo. I mean, and why has this happened? The negotiations haven't really... I mean, they've kind of gotten dirty. They've kind of gotten ugly. They haven't really gone anywhere. And this could mean uh, for Eichel, just a new face coming to the cohorts, the Sabres, and Eichel into a more agreeable situation. Now, I did hear about a few things about uh, Jack Eichel's new agent, and that is it, that it's also Sean Monaghan's agent. So a lot of Calgary fans are excited, especially since... In the season preview talking about today, uh, I was talking about that the Calgary Flames have really struggled to find that number one center, especially recently. Uh, But a lot of Flames fans are excited about the prospect of Eichel coming to Calgary. And, I mean, I could definitely see it as a possibility. But right now, nothing's happening because that's just how the NHL wants to be. It's just negotiation, 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 stalled negotiation, and then nothing happens. But... Speaking of nothing happening, let's get on to something actually happening, something exciting in the NHL, and that is, I know you've seen the title, so I don't know why I'm keeping this from you, but the Yasperi Kotkaniemi offer sheet. And before I get into any of the offer sheet, I just want to get into this entire saga, 
saga, you could call it here. So on July 1st of 2019, the Habs offer sheeted RFA Sebastian, restricted free agent Sebastian Aho. And they offered him an 8.5 times 5 million, 8.5 million dollars times five years contract. And the Carolina Hurricanes matched. But at the time, people always said, oh, you shouldn't do offer sheets. There's going to be future repercussions for sure. Oh, you better watch out. And I mean, here we are two years later. And the Hurricanes have struck back. And there has been an offer sheet with former third overall pick, Jesperi Kotkaniemi. And the offer sheet is, $6.1 $6.1 million times one year. And let me just talk, before I get into the offer sheet at all, I just want to talk about the Carolina Hurricanes social media. And personally, I love it. I mean, what they're doing right now is they are trolling the Habs on another level. I mean, first of all, when they released... Uh, the information about the offer sheet, they basically copied exactly, word for word, what the Montreal Canadiens said about Ajo. Uh, Not only that, but they've changed their bio to French, and they are uh, typing all their posts in French now. Um, They did post an Uno reverse card on Twitter, Um, and they also gave Kotkaniemi a $20 signing bonus which is Sebastian Aho's number. And he also gets a $15 signing bonus because that's his number. So he got a $35 signing bonus in total. And, I mean, personally, I love this. I think it's super funny, and it's bringing around getting rid of that old-school hockey mentality that we've had for years and bringing us into more of... Um, a different way of getting back at teams, I mean, which is through social media. And personally, I think this will either make you hate the Canes or love them even more. And even though this is against my against my team, the Montreal Canadiens, I, I got to say, I just, I love the Canes. I think it's so funny. And I think it's going to make a lot of people mad, but I don't really care because here's why I don't care. Because... To the question, should the Montreal Canadiens match this offer sheet? Now, there's been a lot of yes, no, oh, he has such good potential. Oh, he could be a number one center. Oh, he could be the face of the franchise. And the key word I want to highlight there is could. I mean, these last few years, he really hasn't shown us that he has deserved to be a number one center. Not only do I believe that Kotkaniemi does not want to stay in Montreal after being, I think, benched two games in the playoffs, but, um, I mean, he really hasn't been too good either. I mean, he's been he's been great in the playoffs, but he has not really been good in the regular season since his rookie season. I mean, in, even in his rookie season, he was just okay. And people might say, oh, but he was so good in the playoffs. He was so good in the playoffs, though. You can't let go of this guy. Um, but to that, I say, look at his shooting percentage in the regular season due to uh, compared to the playoffs. So 
An average shooting percentage, I would say, is around 12%. Anything above that, either mean, I mean, it can range from 12 to 15, depending on what type of player you are. But anything very high above that means that you're getting pretty lucky with your chances, and that's like you're not going to, like, it's not like you're going to shoot four sh- uh, shots and one out of four is ever going to go in. I mean, that's just a wild. Then maybe if that, if that was so, then Ovechkin might have 80 goals every year. So it just shows how ridiculous that could be. So to put in perspective, in the regular season, Jesperi Kotkaniemi had an 8% shooting percentage. In the playoffs, he had a 22% shooting percentage, which means that in the playoffs, a lot of his chances are going in. In the regular season, maybe not much so. So I would say in where he actually is is probably around 11% where he should be, but that's still super overinflated numbers for the playoffs. Uh, another reason why I don't think they should get him is that if they if they let him go, they get an unprotected first and third round pick and a good draft in Montreal this year. I mean, the Canes aren't even... Canes might not even make the playoffs. They lost some major pieces this year. I mean, they lost their young starting goaltender. They lost their number one defenseman, potentially a number one defenseman in the league. And, I mean, what they're getting right now is they're paying a guy $4 million more than he's worth to basically screw over a team while also getting an asset in return. So, if you can actually, I think you let him go just in terms of the draft capital. I mean, a first and a third, especially, you can't forget this, this is a draft in Montreal. So it would mean a lot if the Canadians did a lot of, had a lot of picks in this draft. Um, if they did match, they would also be stuck with a contract $4 million above market value. And also Kotkaniemi in this year, I'm just going through the reasons right now. Kotkaniemi this year, uh, he would have been stuck in a number two role, a number two center role on the Canadians. And I don't think he'll ever, he, he's not ready for a, a number two center role right now. I can say that, I can say that for the least, but I don't know if he'll ever be. I mean, I don't think he'll be a number one center. You already got Nick Suzuki, who not all, you do have to extend next year too. You can't forget about that. And he's going to be asking for, depending on how he plays this year. I mean, he has played really well these last two seasons. So he's likely going to ask for more than $6.1 million. So that's where you got to invest that money. And, I mean, he's also, if they take this offer, he's an unrestricted free agent if they can't sign him next year. So it's a lot of risk for potential little return. Or you could just take the first and a third. Um, I would say that the Habs could use this pick for a potential Eichel trade, but you actually can't trade him for a year, which is another interesting prospect. So if they actually let the Canes take him, they wouldn't have this contract. They wouldn't have to dump cap. They wouldn't have to uh, get... uh, They would have more picks. They could potentially use the picks for an Eichel trade. And last of all, it would call it the Canes Bluff. And there's my final thing here. Although it would be a tough blow to lose a former third overall pick. I mean, a former third overall pick of just three years ago. And also, not to mention a fan favorite. 
Kotkaniemi has really not performed well, and especially offensively since his first season, and I think that's just where it stands. You can't reward a guy who has not been good for you with $6 million. And, I mean, there's always the chance, oh, what if he's next superstar in the league? Well, you got to take that chance. There's only so many superstars. And, I mean, you already got Nick Suzuki. You get this draft capital, lose the money. Uh, now the Canes have to deal with that contract next year, and it's going to be interesting to see. This whole situation, I'm very interested to see how it blows over. As a Habs fan, Habs fan, personally, I'm not ever really the biggest fan of him. I don't love where he's on the ice, usually, and I don't love the plays that he makes. I feel like he doesn't think too much sometimes. But... um. So I might have a slightly biased opinion here, but as a Habs fan who never actually really liked the pick in the first place, I mean, we could have gotten Quinn Hughes, which would have been nice. But so therefore, I think let him go. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Um, And I think that's about all for today. We're running around 33-ish minutes. Uh, I did ramble on for a bit there. Um, we might have our big interview that I was talking about next week. Uh, we're going to have some season previews this week. And yeah, um, with all that being said, uh, thank you for listening. And thank you for Zalorn with help on the music. And follow us at Passship on Twitter. Um, have a good one, guys. And... I mean, I'll get you back to you with how this offshoot situation turns out. So, see ya.